0: to North Star Big Book. My name is Carly Israel, and I'm a recovered alcoholic. My sobriety date is January 27th, 1999, and I am so excited to share my love of the big book with you. If you would like to come on and be a guest and share in an episode a part of the book that you love so other people can feel that light and that hope, please go on to CarlyIsrael.com and message me. I hope you enjoy this episode. <music> I have one of my AA brothers on here. Kenny, will you introduce yourself?
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Kenneth Ward Dabney III, and I am an alcoholic.
0: And we are so happy to have you. Tell us your sobriety date and where you're calling from.
1: So my sobriety date is April 22nd, 2017. I'm calling or I'm- Zooming. Zooming, (laughs) right. (laughs) From uh, Shaker Heights, uh, in the comfort of my dining room.
0: (laughs) So close to the Mecca of our whole sobriety. And Kenny and I know each other because our home group is on the same night. And before there was a pandemic, we would go to that meeting in person, which I believe is opening up soon, isn't it?
1: I hope so. I'm going to be talking with Kevin. Hopefully we can, you know, start start pouring in again. Yeah. You know, I actually have masks. to tell
0: you, I'm always going to be doing virtual on Thursday nights. It works so much better for my lifestyle. But what I, I want guess. everyone to know is that whether you're going to go back or you're going to do virtual or you're going to do both, we've kind of entered a new world of AA that we get to find different meetings and different people from literally all over the universe, which is pretty cool. Mm,
1: it is. It is very cool.
0: What pages are we studying and why did you choose them?
1: So uh, we're going to be talking about, um, it's actually the chapter six into action, um, 71 to 76, right before we get to step eight and nine. Um, Awesome. I chose this section because I feel like this is a very pivotal point in our recovery when we take what we thought were weaknesses and turn them into strengths. Um, A very um, wise woman said once in a meeting to me that we get to live two lives in one lifetime. And, um, you know, I really, that really sunk into me because at that point I felt like, you know, I'm such and so years old and I have nothing to show for it.
0: (laughs) Right, that that yucky voice in our head that is trying to basically... I mean, that's the mental obsession is trying to, yes. to convince us a lie that what's the point, what's the use of doing this work. And you chose into action. And I'm, I'm guessing we're probably going to jump around instead of reading it straight through. So you'll kind of take us through each page and highlight it. But what I want to mm-hmm. tell you that hits me so hard every single time is in into action on the first page in that blank spot above chapter six, I have written mm-hmm. down the names of all the people who I was in the rooms with whose numbers and names were in my phone that kill themselves sober. And the reason why I have it here is because every single one of these people had done the work at one point, and they all stopped doing the work. And that's my reminder that it's not like something I can say I did, and now I'm good. It's always,
1: always. And I I can appreciate that. You know, my experience is that I was one of those people who stopped doing the work. And, you know, as a result of, thinking that i could do this on my own what the book promises happened happened i drank again and you know i had to understand or relearn principles that were taught to me but in a new way you know have a new appreciation so i can honestly probably put my number <laughs> like you did on this god forbid right i don't so. want
0: your name on this this is only people that didn't <laughs> get to stay sober and they they're not alive anymore so i want you to carry the message with your mouth and then with your action so yes. take us into action
1: so into action, right off the bat, um, I really appreciate um, after the question mark, it says we have been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator and to discover the obstacles in our path. A few pages before we learn what's been blocking us off from God, you know, obstinacy, sensitive, sensitiveness, unreasoning, unreasoning prejudice. And, you know, that for me is because I have had this self-reliant attitude that I can come up with the answers uh, you know, on my own. And I haven't seen that that is what my trouble is. That is the reason why I have this downcast, can't look at the world in the eye uh, scope. And so in this chapter, for me, um, page 73, it says, but they have not learned enough of humility fearlessness and honesty so I go from unreasoning prejudice sensitiveness obstinacy to having humility fearlessness and honesty through doing the work right and And what work are you specifically talking
0: about what's right before this chapter what work are we preparing to go over
1: oh so we're going to be in step four which is helping me to understand what my patterns have been and that is talking about selfishness dishonesty um, in uh, in consideration and fear right and so um, because of those things, um, I am blocked. I know you talk a lot about having uh, a, a blocked hallway yeah. and I, I really like that analogy because um, that's essentially what's keeping me from the light of God's spirit yeah. universe But uh, do you know what you- I didn't
0: know that my hallway was blocked because of me. So when I got here, so at this place, what we're reading right now is they're preparing us for step five and they're basically giving us a reason why we need to do step five. So the chapter before we just did step four, we did all that work. Even after writing my fourth step, I still didn't know I was the reason why my hallway was blocked. I thought it was you. I thought it was my circumstances, right? I thought it was my family. I thought it was the people I was in relationships with. I thought it was all the situations that I was put in. And it was only when... Another alcoholic who was sober, who was doing the work out of the book, took me through this and helped me see the reason why my hallway was blocked is because I put all that stuff in there,
1: you know, and yeah, I, I agree and see, and what ties in with what you just said um, at the bottom of actually page 72, it says an actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient many of us found it necessary to go much, much further. And, you know, Joe and Charlie, when I came in the second time around, opened up the idea of a reverse inventory. And I'm not sure if that ties into what you were saying, but that's something that I've always done, which is kept it on, you know, the other person, you know, if they had only done this and that, then I would have been fine, you know? And and I don't see, which is again, what you said a sponsor helps me understand is that I set the ball rolling. And, you know, once that opens up to me, now I can begin to change the behavior, you know? And granted, everybody is sick on some emotional level, but at least I don't perpetuate that, you know? But that's the
0: magic of actually writing it out on paper mm -hmm. Because when I think of it in my head, like you just read, solitary self-appraisal, in my head, my head is always angling and adjusting the truth to make it so I'm right and they're wrong. And when I have to put down on paper, the way it's organized in the book, where I first get out who I'm upset at and afraid and all that stuff, and then I figure out what is it I'm upset about and why and what it's affecting, only then am I able to look at my part. And I remember the first time I did my force up, the column that was my part was very empty and I didn't I honestly did not know what what, I don't know what's my part that my parents were alcoholics what is my part and my sponsor Mm -hmm. helped me realize well Carly you're 19 years old how long have they been sober because your parents aren't alcoholics anymore they're recovered and I was like they've been sober since I was 13 and she she was like well that's six years of your life that you've just been upset at them and blocked off from them and held them at an arm's length and threw that in their face whenever they wanted to parent you because Mm -hmm. you wanted to hold on to something that no longer was. So the part, even in that situation, right? Even in a situation where I I was not at fault initially, the resentment and my behavior after I became resentful, that's my fault. And that's what we are looking at here in Into Action because the book tells us, right? That we're going to get drunk if we don't do this
1: mm. and you know i don't understand again i don't understand that like we're talking about these things are what's going to get me drunk again these are poisonous things that it, it behooves me to jump into this thing you know head first um you know the first time i sat down with somebody we were at a Wendy's when Wendy's used to be on the corner of uh, Chagrin and uh, Warrensville. And, um, you know, I sat in the passenger seat of his car. And I thought, you know, we were just going to have a conversation. Um, You know, I was in Stellamaris at that time, I really didn't understand what the spirit of the steps were or any of that what the purpose of the steps were, I just was trying to move forward so that i could tell the guys back at the house well yeah i'm on step whatever you know what step are you on and so when i was talking it really wasn't with a view to understand what my part was and so you know again i just really appreciate the fact that when i sat down with my sponsor and he gave me a direct understanding you know uh that kenny if you can you know get humble and understand that it's it's the part that you play then that's what's going to open up so many things for you um and the world will you know have a, a whole new a whole new shape to it you know what's so, so
0: amazing is so the people that are listening that don't know this area that we're in in cleveland stella maris where he said he was staying which is a detox center a treatment center right yes it's, and i'm not saying it's in a negative way it's as low as you could possibly go without being homeless like it is yes it is not, there's nothing fancy about this. You are not having aquatics. Like this is, these are <laughs> like, there is shuffling and yes. brokenness and broken dreams. And what's so amazing is that he just said he was at Stella Maris. And right now he's sitting in a safe, clean, beautiful, sober home and yes. sober many years. And that is the miracle of this program. So I just wanted to tell everyone how excited I am about that.
1: Yes, that is a beautiful thing. And I have to come back to that. I have to remember that. We forget. On a daily basis. Yes, because what? we forget. We get,
0: we get mad and we're yes. like, how come this isn't happening? And what's wrong with my Hulu? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I used to have nothing.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> right? That's awesome. Yes. Um, so, um, so flipping to 74, just, I guess, to tie in what we were talking about, it says we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, we tell certain things, uh, you know, that we, I guess, have made peace with, but the other things we try to keep to ourselves. Um, But as we're learning, it's, you know, by being honest and having that uncomfortable exchange or feeling that we can have a more pure discussion and start to feel free, which is how I felt after I got done with my sponsor, I felt very light. um, And I started to understand. You felt nauseous? Yeah. Did you really?
0: Well, because I, so here, let me just give you a little background. And I want to know what your background is in terms of being honest. Well, I want to ask you first, what was it like growing up and then going through your alcoholism and addiction in terms of having to be honest? Like, was that one of your principles? Or is that like, you know, like, how did that work for you?
1: Well, I know my parents had always spoke of honesty, um, you know, I guess they taught me what honesty was, but I never really applied it because I felt like they did not give me a voice to speak. And so um, it was a a concept that sounded great, you know, uh, but I, I, I never applied it because I didn't feel comfortable enough um in my space or what have you in my home uh you know to actually be honest you know and then have somebody So you didn't say, feel safe to be okay. honest, even though right. Like,
0: right they talked about it. So, but what about when you were using and you were drinking and using was like for me I can share with you that for me my number one rule to survive was don't trust anybody and don't yes. tell anybody about what's really Thank going you. on right
1: Thank you uh-huh
0: and then yes, we come here exactly and you tell me that if I don't do this with at least one person, I'm gonna die. Mm. That that is why I felt nauseous because I did it with one person after basically 15 years of constantly hiding things. You mentioned that you would tell certain truths to certain people. We almost mm-hmm. scattered our truth, and we had to mm-hmm. keep we had to like keep track of who knew which things, but this concept that there's gonna be for me at the at the first time it was one person my sponsor but today i've got you know a small group i'm a pretty open person but when it comes to like my real stuff like my super uncomfortable stuff i've got a yeah. small few people that i go to and what i realized when i was about 16 years sober because i found myself being dishonest about one area of my life that i was embarrassed about I realized that I was going backwards. Like I was like, I'm not supposed to be dishonest. Like I'm sober. Like we're supposed to be honest all the time. Our book says rigorous honesty. Right. And I, I remember I was sitting on this couch just in a different house. I remember thinking I'm never going to be dishonest again. Like I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't care if you think that the decisions I'm making are stupid and are bad, but I'm never going to ever be dishonest about them again. And I have to tell you, Kenny, that nothing has been more freeing in my whole life since that period of time than making the decision that I'm always going to be honest.
1: Yes. And I it agree. really
0: changed my whole life. Like, obviously I don't like, I'm not like unfiltered. I mean, I don't if right. you're like, tell me, do I look nice? And I don't think you look nice. I'm not going to tell you that because that that's not kind, but I'm talking mm. about I'm not hiding things. I'm not lying about things. I'm not pretending things are a certain way when they're not. And that's freedom.
1: That is freedom. And, you know, I can, I completely agree with you. Um, You know, I, so when I sat down with my sponsor, I was now convinced that I was powerless and that my life was unmanageable. And it needed, I needed those bruises on my head to understand that fact. And he told me, if you do not do this, then you will pick up a drink. I was scared of that. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, okay, I guess <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to start talking to you. And you know, my sponsor made it, he's younger than me, uh, but he made it, he made the space very inviting and uh, he allowed, he was patient enough with me to allow me to, you know, get it out and talk. And I have to say that from that point till now, I've learned how to use my voice, speak my truth, uh, still learning. But the result is that I feel like I'm a much more brighter individual because I'll tell you exactly how I feel. And if it wasn't for this work, I wouldn't have had that. And that's why I love this section. And it's so
0: attractive, right? I mean, you're one of the guys that I want selfishly to stick around because I want you here for myself. I want you here for God forbid, if my boys need to come here, like, I want to be able to know that Kenny's here, I can pass them on to Kenny, because you're living this truth, right? But you have to, you know, my favorite line, the only way out is through, there's no shortcuts, we have to go through this work. And it's only when we actually sit and tell the whole story to one person, that's our sponsor, that they help us tie all those loose ends together and go, look, do you see how all these decisions that you made based on self place you in this position to be hurt? Like that's the whole goal is to find that pattern.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, so I wanted to, um, I kind of wanted to move forward here. Go for it. Uh, it's your
0: show. I'm just your passenger.
1: <laughs> so um, I guess just bouncing around, I have a few things underlined here. Um That we find the right person to talk to, I think, is also very important um, because the book says, you know, if you don't have someone immediately, um, you know, you can go to members of your church or or whatnot, but they have to um, keep a confidence, they fully understand the bottom of 74 and approve of what we're driving at, that he'll not try to change our plan. Um, So there's just a few. There's a few guidelines, you know, um, you know, if I am in the position ever to sponsor or, uh, that my sponsor have in order to be sound, um, with me, um, I find that, you know, the, the first person that I spoke to, he was able to keep a confidence, but he wasn't doing the work himself. So, That's why the direction was, there was really no direction. The sponsor that I have now has been doing the work every single day. So there were things that he was able to open up for me that the first guy was not able to because he wasn't doing this work. And so, um, you know, I think that that's huge. We can't Um, pass
0: on something we don't have.
1: That's exactly right. And so for me um, and the guys that I take through Um, It's important for me, based on what I'm willing to do in 10, 11, 12 every single day, it's important for me to remember that I have a responsibility toward my sponsee, um, and that responsibility is that I should allow them the space, you know, to open up, uh, listen to them, but give them what was given to me, which is the hard truth, that all of this is on on you. and so. You know, I guess taking that principle to other areas in my life and not wanting to use information to harm somebody, um, you know, picking the people that I choose to tell information to, not to try to skirt, you know, the issue, but I'm not trying to harm you. If I feel like this information is going to harm you, then what's, what's the purpose of me sharing it? If right. now I'm on, if, if now I'm on a different footing, right? Right. Cause if it I'm says on... right
0: here, we tell the someone who will understand you to be unaffected. So I don't want to tell my mom or my dad when I'm struggling about wanting to stay sober, because that's going to harm them because they're going to not. So if I tell you, I'm struggling to stay sober, you're going to be like, Carly, what are you not doing? And we're going to go mm. through all the action steps I need to take. If I tell my parents, what are they going to do? going to freak out
1: they will freak out right and they're emotionally uh... they're
0: emotionally affected they're going to try to control it they're going to try right so when we're working with someone who's not affected we immediately just go to okay what are you not doing what do you need to get back to doing if you tell it to a family member or a loved one they're going to be like oh my god we need to do this and i'm going to take your keys and i'm going to take your phone and you're not going to be allowed to do this and that's not going to help us because it's never helped us right Right. so that's why we need to be this one who's unaffected so we're on 75 right
1: So we are on 75. Um, So it says that uh, he should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approached in this way would be glad to help. They would be honored by our confidence. So just rounding up what we were talking about, a sponsor is going to know that we're on a life and death errand. So he's going to take it with the utmost seriousness. Um, And they say
0: that right there in the book. So when people tell us we're being dramatic about these steps, the book says in no uncertain terms that we are engaged upon a life and death era. And that means step five is the difference between us living and dying.
1: Mm. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So um, it says here, uh, dropping down, it says, once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look, I have this highlighted underlined. It says, we can look the world in the eye. I love that, that phrase because I've been looking down this entire time um it says we can be alone at perfect peace and ease our fears fall from us we begin to feel the nearness of our creator we may have had certain spiritual beliefs but now we begin to have a spiritual experience the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared or often comes strongly we feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe i feel like this is poetry
0: <laughs> it really is i love that you said that so i have written down on the side um fifth step promises so what I normally do is I read that that first sentence, we pocket our pride and go to it. And then I stop and the woman I'm taking through, we go through her fifth step and it takes, you know, a jillion hours. And then when we're done, we read this part and this is the results. This is the promises of the work. And I love that you said it's poetry. And I also like that it's um, under the capital letters of broad highway and spirit of the universe. That's because I was told those are capitalized as if they're a higher power there are different ways to think of God. If you don't like the word God, you can say spirit of the universe. You know, everyone has got their own comfort zone. And then yes. here's the fifth step hour directions, which often get misunderstood as the sixth step, but they're not. This is the hour after, still step five. We don't even get to step six until after this hour.
1: Right. And, um, you know, I, uh, so for me, you know, before I, um, so when I first read this, I, didn't quite understand because I am not the greatest reader as far as wanting to read. But when I first read this, you know, I kind of just glossed over, you know, the paragraphs, Um, but it was only after I actually did it and got the understanding of what the hour was supposed to look like after I did this, that I said, you know what? this is, this is right. You know, I started feeling good about myself. Uh, I had that. I was, I remember walking home from my sponsor's house. Um, He lives not too far from me. And uh, on the walk home, I started to feel like I was, I was finally moving forward where before I was kind of stagnant. Um, You know, I felt like I wasn't really contributing to life. Now I started to feel like like the direction was true, and you know I could start to feel you know comfortable as a man uh, where I felt inadequate before. And so when I sat down, and I read this, I said, uh, "But now we begin to have a spiritual experience." I said, "You know this is this sounds cliche, but this is true. This is working. <laughs> this is working." So um, let's see. It says, um, "Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour." Carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps, carefully reading the first five proposals. We ask if we have omitted anything. For we are building an arch through which we can walk a free man at last. You know what I love about solid? that?
0: I want to think about this. Go ahead. So Go imagine ahead. that we're actually building, because they talk about this a lot in the book, a foundation, right? And mm-hmm. and think about putting stones together with mortar and sand imagine if you're actually building this and you're building an arc that you're going to walk through there's a difference between building something just like there's a difference between packing your um what's it called when you jump out of a plane your parachute versus Mm -hmm. actually wearing the one you packed right so if i'm wearing the parachute i packed i gotta make sure i'm packing it well Okay. That's so if true. I'm building the arch myself and I'm going to walk under it, I want to make sure that that rock that I put up there does not kill me when I walk under it because I didn't do a sufficient job because I was oh, the kind of person, point. right, that did a ton of work not doing the actual work and I half-assed things because I didn't want to do work that I wasn't interested in. And now they're saying to me, did I leave anything out because you're about to walk into a world that you're building. So you don't have to pretend for anyone else anymore. What do you want your new life to be? This is on you.
1: And that's a beautiful point because it's teaching me to benefit myself. There's yes. no agendas here. There's no ulterior motives. If I don't do the work, I suffer. And that's just what you you brought out. And that's another incentive for me to get it's honest on you. with myself and do it. Exactly right. right. Um, and that's that was something that was... A a, something I struggled with growing up because I felt like the way that I was taught there was something, there was an agenda that was to be had. What somebody else wanted, right? Exactly. Right. That's That's why I didn't trust you. I mean, good
0: sponsorship shows you that they say, like, look, you can do whatever you want. I think a really good sponsor is going to take you through the book and the steps and is going to help us see our options. And then we get to make whatever choices we want to make. And so at the end of the day, if we're unhappy with our life, that's on us. Right. There's no one else it to blame. Is.
1: No, no one else to blame. And that's, that's the beauty because I always wanted control.
0: <laughs> now you got always, it. Uh, right. It's you, it's you and God. It's you and God. <laughs> so if you don't like the way something's going, most likely it's either that you didn't do the work you needed to do or that we're not trusting God. I mean, ultimately I had a sponsor message me today in her inventory and she was mad about how long something was taking. And I was mm-hmm. like, it sounds like you don't trust God because if you mm-hmm. think it's taking longer than God thinks it should take, then you're not trusting God. You're upset with the way that God's got it going on right now. And that's just called reality. I think the hardest thing I have in life is when I don't like my reality. Really, that's my problem. I, I'm unhappy with reality as it is. And that's the only mm-hmm. time I get upset.
1: Yeah, and usually sometimes if I'm not okay with my reality, I'm, I'm I, for me, I, it's because I've compared it with somebody else's, or the conception that I have of what it should look like, is not what I see, and that's when I have to double back and get do a ten, do an eleven, and you know sh- shoot it out to to get feedback. You know, or, and that's when I
0: and look like it's still life. It's not like only things that are unpleasant are going to happen just because we didn't do the work sometimes life happens right like that's fair we live, yeah right? we live in America now you're a black man in America the, the injustices right. and the ridiculousness of you just walking down the street terrify me and I have to say that if we're upset about that we don't just go oh I'm not doing something right we need to say okay what do you want to do about it do you want to be mad about it or do you want to do something to make things different and so it's like it's not always the answer is not always we're doing something wrong sometimes the answer is i'm upset about this what can i do about it
1: that's a good point right sometimes i I I need to do
0: something you you know yeah
1: yeah um i so if if we can just uh to kind of wrap up this you wrap um, it up
0: kenny let's go for it
1: on 76 go for it just um it says uh if we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. It says we have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Are we now ready? So the word ready, um, I was taught um, in fit condition for immediate action. So I I actually like that
0: definition. Right. So what Um, is it going to look like? Right. So if you're at work, right, Mm -hmm. what would it look like to not be ready at work? No,
1: just to sit there and basically do nothing. Your
0: computer wouldn't be on. You wouldn't be answering the right. phone. You went right. If you're ready, you know, for me, same thing. My computer's on, I'm, I'm logged in. I don't have my phone out. I'm like my my desk is clean. So I'm ready. Like I look like someone who's ready. You know what I always thought yeah. about when I was in like little league and I hated, I was ter- I was a good hitter, but I was terrified of being in the outfield and I was a horrible okay. catcher. And so okay. I was in like the worst position, which I think is like right field. And I would pray to God, please don't let the ball come near me. And the coach would say, look alive, look alive, look ready. And that meant we had to like, like hunker down and put our hands on our knees. That was ready. That's what ready mm-hmm. looks like. So what I like to think of is like, how do I show God I'm ready? How is God going to drive to my house to pick me up, to take me to a meeting and me come out in my jammies, like with my toothbrush, like God's going to be like, you're not ready. So what does it look like in my life when I say to God, I want to change and grow in this area, but then God sees me in my toothbrush, in my pajamas, like I need to look a certain way,
1: you know, and you had, uh, you had taught when I first came in and I was listening the to the server you.
0: and the plate, man, you yeah. know, exactly where I was going, mm-hmm. man. That, my that, favorite. Uh,
1: I love that. I love that analogy, uh, because he, God is not someone who's going to play tug of war. Yes, I love that. As if, as as if he's indecisive.
0: Yes, I Um, love what you just said. That.
1: You know, so it's it's on me, and and that's exactly what we've been talking about. Right. And what does a diner
0: look like when they're ready to have their plate removed?
1: Right. And so that means that it's all the all the forks and all the napkins are neatly on the plate, pushed away. If you're still eating, mm -hmm.
0: God's like, okay, Mm -hmm. he's not ready.
1: He's not ready. And he can see from, I mean, he can see. You like can just walk any by. the good server. Yeah. It's, they can see from afar. No conversation. It's not like they have to ask you. No. They don't have to ask you what's yeah. good. So, um, you know, I like that, that you brought that out. I played tennis uh, as a young person. And I remember, uh, you know, standing on the court and the coaches would always ask us, uh, you know, okay, guys, you know, get ready, you know, stand on the line, get your rackets up, you know, in front of your face, you know, bend your knees, get ready. And a lot of times, I, if I was standing in a line uh, during a drill, I was never ready. Right. I, would, I would just kind of be like looking around and, uh, you know, they had to scream
0: Right, me,
1: basically. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate that in my life. Like we're talking about what does it look like um, if I'm having a problem with cursing let's say and i and i don't want to curse anymore but i'm listening to a whole bunch of bebop music with cursing then that influence you shouldn't come to carly's house yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean just saying i mean that's something but you're right you're
0: you're right but you know what else it's like i remember being really mad like where is the person I'm waiting for. Like, where's my partner? When am I going to find him? And I will complain about it all the time in my early sobriety. And I remember a woman being like, you don't look like someone who's ready for a guy because you're talking to all these, you know, idiots that are new and are totally like it's Stella Maris. Like you're talking to these new guys, God walks by your table. And is like, Oh, she's not serious about wanting to be with somebody because she's talking to people who she has no business talking to. So it's like, how are you behaving in your regular life? Like, what does it look like? Do you look like a person who's ready for an important opportunity? What does that look like?
1: You know, I like, I like that you brought that out, um, you know, because that's something that I'm currently going through now. You know, somebody that, uh, you know, I was interested in moved away. And, you know, my whole this whole time I've been in the why, why, why you know, and one of the principles that we're talking about is going from why do I, to how can I, and that's what this stuff helps me understand. So because I was staying in the, why did she leave? When am I, you know, going to get married? I'm 32 years old and I'm still a single man, all the trash, right? And, you know, okay. So that's what I'm dealing with, but what's the solution? How can I bring to life? How can I bring to my my program so that I start to feel like a whole person, you know? Um, And then, and then what God will do is he'll say, okay,
0: now now, he looks like he's ready. What does that look like? like, Right. right. And And then you get to think about like, what do you want to behave like in a relationship? What kind of, if I'm about to meet the person of my dreams, my soulmate, what do, am I ready right now? Do I feel like I've got my stuff together? Do I feel like I'm the version of myself that I can't wait to show that person. Right. right? And if not, then go do my work.
1: Right. And you know, it's, and you just hit on something. I have to be attracted to that person, you know. Um, So that again is which is just
0: being who you really are, not who they want you to be. But if you're Mm -hmm. not, if you don't really find that out and get so solid on your own, and I can tell you from my own experience that it doesn't matter if the person is perfect or not it will never work because if you're not awesome with Kenny and God, mm. there's no human on earth. That's going to make it okay.
1: Mm. Mm. And that's the, I guess the third component to a relationship is having yes. a relationship with God. Yes. It's not just, it's not just two people. Yes. You know, you have to have that, that higher
0: Absolutely. Uh, relationship.
1: Yeah. Because people are going to do things that we don't like. People of are going to disappoint us.
0: They're human. You
1: know, yeah. They're human. So when ready.
0: Yeah, let's finish it off.
1: <laughs> so when ready, it's uh, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing. And, you know, for me, I have these slash marks, uh, yeah. you know, uh, if I'm taking somebody through. But it says, I, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character, which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. And then it says we have then completed step seven. So that is just a request, um, you know, between me and my higher power. It's a request for me to have him recognize that I am ready. I am going to him and saying, okay, I have acknowledged what my faults have been. I'm turning to you instead of something external uh, you know, for advice or for strength. And so I am putting my trust in you to do these things. And in return, you know, I will go out from here and repair the damage. And that's what uh, steps eight and nine um, get into. Right. So and our I, and
0: God's bidding is that we are going to be a light onto this world, but we're where mm-hmm. we, you know, that beautiful St. Francis prayer that's in the 12 and 12, you know, like where there is hatred may I bring light where that, you know, darkness, all that beautiful stuff. But what I love that it says here in that prayer is that you remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness. We're not telling God what to remove. We're saying, we trust you. You take away what you don't, what you don't think I is serving me anymore. I'm not picking out a character defect jar and going today I'd like to work on this. There are great concepts of spiritual activity, but at the end of the day, I might think that God should take one thing, but God might think, you know, God has a different plan and mm-hmm. God doesn't wear a watch, Kenny.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, watch, no, watch,
0: no iPhone, no iPhone, no watch. Thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. I love
0: you. You're amazing. Kenny I love
1: you too. Is, he's
0: the best that there is. Thank you so much for being here.
1: All right. Thank you for having me. You take care.
0: Bye. For any listeners who would like to get deeper insight into my story, I just released my memoir, Seconds and Inches. It was a dream of mine for decades to write my memoir. And while I do not believe in mixing money and AA, I just wanted to share with the world that I did this accomplishment and it can be found wherever you normally purchase books, paperback, audio, or digital. I wish you an awesome day. Thank you.